0: Amotilek in harets, We give thanks to God for bread Our voices rise in song together As our joyful prayer is said Baruch HaTadonai Eloheinu Amotsi lekem Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe who brings forth bread from out of the earth. Amen. Barukata Adonai Eloheinu, Melech ha'olam, borei pri hagafen. Amen. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine amen <laughs> Shinatan Torah to Baruch Shinatan Torah to Wora Lam O Shabbat
1: Shalom Good to see everyone, and if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles now to the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel 28 in particular, the Haftor portion for this Sabbath, of uh, Va'era, uh, just to review very quickly what you heard about Va'era, is, this is the Lord now specifically directing Moses uh, to go to Pharaoh and essentially begin to pronounce uh, the early judgments upon Egypt in the, to get the Pharaoh to let the people go. It doesn't go all the way to the um, judgment of the firstborn, but it goes through the majority of the judgments that God puts upon Egypt, of which I would remind you that the reason why he put those judgments upon Egypt was so that Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the children of Israel and the whole world would know that he is the Lord, that it wasn't specifically to just do environmental harm, if you will, but rather to take what Egypt thought were gods and prove to them that that's not God and that I'm God. And if, when you come to regarding God, you need to regard me, not these other things that you propped up. And in the course of getting Pharaoh to release the people, he basically had to destroy everything that Egypt believed in and change that. By the way, let me just tell you from the standpoint of, uh, uh, on the study of strategy and tactics and warfare, uh, you do not defeat the enemy by killing all of his soldiers. You don't defeat the enemy by taking all of his land. You defeat the enemy by getting him to stop believing what he was believing in and start accepting you know that, that he's not what he thought he was. Uh, if you go back to World War II and the history of it, the German people believed in the Fuhrer. They believed that Hitler was a messiah type. The Japanese believed in the emperor, that he was godlike. And when we went over in World War II to defeat them, we had to prove to the German people that the Fuhrer was not who he claims to be, and to the Japanese that, uh, that the emperor is not who he is. Uh, since those days, we have ceased to understand that principle, and the reason why we have constant ongoing battle, battle after battle, warfare, warfare, strife, and so forth, is because we've lost the perspective of that you must defeat what the enemy believes. Uh, that I wrote an article some time back about why we will not win the war against terror. And I truly believe it. The reason why we, the United States and the other Western nations, will not win the war against terror is because we're not committed to defeating what they believe in. If we would go in and take Allah on, We wouldn't have to kill as many of them as as we have to now. Just go in and defeat that idea, defeat that belief, and, and they'll give up. They won't fight anymore. And what concerns me about our own country here, the United States of America, is the average citizen is losing faith in being America. We're losing faith in the love of our country And as a result, we're not going to fight for it anymore. We're not going to stand up for it anymore. We'll give up uh, to it. And by the way, it's all uh, unbelief in the one true God and belief in wrong things. That is where the trouble comes in in the world. I give all of this as a context because this Haftor portion um, parallels uh, the Tor portion in that, God's pouring out judgments, trying to convince uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians not to believe in those other gods, but to believe in him. And in this particular one, this is Ezekiel while he's a captive in Babylon. And there are still those back in Israel that are wondering, how can we stop the Babylonians from um, eventually coming over to us and overtaking us? Oh, maybe we should go make an alliance with Egypt. And so Ezekiel now is going to pronounce an oracle against Egypt because Egypt is putting themselves up in at odds with Babylon and trying to use Israel, you know, as a surrogate um, in this thing. If you look at the geographical placement of where Babylon was to the east of Israel uh, e- uh, yeah, and Egypt is to the west of Israel, Israel's right in the middle. Let me go ahead and just tell you, strategically, if Egypt decides to get in a war with Babylon or Babylon decides to get in a war with Egypt, who gets run over? Israel. So making an alliance with either one of these combatants or enemies is going to cost Israel. So just from a strategic standpoint, it's like the dumbest decision you could ever possibly make because you're going to get run over whichever direction they're coming from. So this is what Ezekiel is going to be doing. He's going to be pronouncing an oracle against Egypt, and he's going to be dealing with the present-day situation of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians coming to power, what Egypt is going to do about that, and Israel is going to be in the middle of this mess. The, so let me take you to um, chapter 28 and let me begin with verse 25 because it's an overarching theme in all of the conflicts that are going on in the world. Beginning at verse 25, it says, Thus says the Lord God, When I gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and shall manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they will live in their land which I gave to my servant Jacob, and they will live in it securely, and they will build houses and plant vineyards and live securely, When I execute judgments upon all who scorn them round about them, they will know that I am the Lord their God. Again, back to the theme, so they will know who the Lord their God is. And in this particular statement, he says, No matter how many enemies are surrounding you, Israel, there is a day coming when I will gather you, I will establish you, and you will live securely in the midst of this world. Not in the days where Ezekiel is, and certainly not in our days. We still see Israel, modern Israel today, surrounded by a host of enemies. And there's a whole bunch of them that have vowed to kill Israel, throw them into the sea, and and so forth. But there is a day coming when these words will be true. In fact, if I can fast forward for just a moment, you just read a verse that's about the greater Exodus. There's a day coming when God will gather his people from all of the nations where they've been scattered, is something that happens to the last generation. It happens shortly before the Messiah returns. And there are many other verses that speak to this and prophecies by a host of other prophets besides Ezekiel. And it's interesting that Ezekiel, in addressing the problem with Egypt and Nebuchadnezzar, that the first thing he wants to do is he wants to say, Israel, I know you're stuck in the middle on this thing, but I'm with you, and in the end you will win. In the end, you will live securely and to rely on me. And then in that day, everyone will know that I'm the Lord. Now, it's an exhortation on e- Ezekiel's part, trying to get the people of Israel, put your trust in the Lord. Don't put your trust in some other nation that's around. And today, we see Israel in a quandary, uh, trying to figure out which nations can they rely on and which ones can they count on. Um, uh, during the Obama administration, uh, Israel learned tragically you can't rely on the United States. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, we Americans over here, we're fickle. You know, all we have to do is have a change of presidency, and all of a sudden we can have a completely different foreign policy, and there's nothing for Israel to trust in, even with Donald Trump, even with a pro Israel stance on the part of the Congress. And so it's temporal at best. Even with that, Israel should be trusting the Lord and only trusting the Lord. And while I'm in favor of a policy of our nation standing with Israel and protect, helping to protect Israel, I know it's not the real solution. The real solution is for them to trust in the Lord. By the way, those, you can take personal application of that in your own life. A lot of times people are looking to others to be their security. Uh, either family members or, or friends or whatever the case may be. I have learned a long, long time ago that you need to learn to trust God and work with other people. Don't trust other people and then try to work with God. It doesn't work out. Um, people change their minds. Things happen. And you cannot count on them. They are fickle. They, they will change their mind if the circumstances for them change. And to including good friends, you know, will turn their backs on you if the opportunity presents gain for them in another way. So here's Israel trying to make a deal with Egypt for their protection against Nebuchadnezzar. And here is now the statement that Ezekiel speaks to Egypt. And he's really saying this to despoil Israel relying on egypt against babylon so chapter 29 beginning at verse 1 it says in the 10th year in the 10th month on the 12th of the month the word of the lord came to me saying son of man set your face against pharaoh king of egypt and prophesy against him and against all egypt speak and say thus says the lord god behold i am against you pharaoh king of egypt the great monster that lies in the midst of his rivers, that has said, My Nile is mine, and I myself have made it. And I shall put hooks in your jaws, and I shall make the fish of your rivers cling to your scales, And I shall bring you up out of the midst of your rivers, and all the fish of your rivers will cling to your scales. And I shall abandon you to the wilderness, you and all the fish of your rivers, and you will fall on the open ground. You will not be brought together or gathered. I've given you for food to the beasts of the earth and to the birds of the sky. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt will know that I am the Lord, because they have been only a staff made of reed to the house of Israel. And when they took hold of you with hand, you broke and tore all their hands. And when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their loins quake. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall bring upon you a sword and I shall cut off from you man and beast. uh, And the land of Egypt will become a desolation and waste. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Again, you hear the language and they will know I am the Lord. That's the language that goes back to the judgments in the original exodus. Every judgment was given with the exhortation so that you might know the Lord. And that's what's going to happen again. Now, let me give you the circumstance. Let me give you the word picture that's really being played here. Um, Ezekiel is playing to that Pharaoh and the force of Pharaoh, the force is like a crocodile. This uh, monster in the river is really making reference to a crocodile. I don't know if you know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile, but the crocodile is far worse. A crocodile can actually swim in salt water and so the river would go, the Nile would go all the way to the sea and so you had these crocodiles that would make their way up the river because they can live in salt water. Alligators can only stay in fresh water. Um, so, but a, and by the way, a crocodile is even more fearsome than an alligator, and if you get crocodiles for, are known for killing people, you know, alligator might bite you, but a crocodile will eat you, um, and they're usually much larger. And amongst those who are in the rivers and operate in the rivers with them, they're deathly afraid of them. So the prophet equates Egypt and Pharaoh to being a crocodile now you think you're fearsome you think you're terrible you think you're able to deal with any situation well you know what if you're in the river trying to swim in the river you are however not all of Egypt is river and all I got to do is grab you by the jaw and jerk you out of that river bring you out in the wilderness and you're history pal You're in deep trouble. You're not in your environment where you were strong. And in fact, when I drag you out into the wilderness, out into the open ground where you're at, and let all the fish come with you that they want, all of you are going to die. In fact, when it all gets said and done after you die, birds are going to come and just pick on you and eat you. Some pretty powerful imagery from God threatening Egypt. Now, why the threat? Why to do that? Because of the way they treated Israel. Israel came to them seeking for help. They exploited the situation. They came to say, can we lean on you a little bit? Can you assist us? Can you help us? And instead, Egypt kind of double-crossed Israel. And here was the ploy. Here was what was going on. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's got to go through Israel before they come to us. So let's encourage Israel with our fake support that we'll stand with him, You stand up to Nebuchadnezzar. You, you stand up to him, and, and we'll be with you. We got your back. You ever heard that expression, I got your back? Yeah, Egypt is, I've got your back, and I'm all the way back several blocks from you. I got your back. Um, and the idea was that they were going to use the distance and time So that when Nebuchadnezzar came in and hit Israel and they were bolstered to fight because they were relying on Egypt, they would get slaughtered and that Nebuchadnezzar would somehow be slowed to come down and attacking Egypt. Au contraire. That's not the way it worked out. All they did was double cross Israel and Ezekiel had warned Israel, don't make an alliance with Egypt. And they came down. And now he's going to pronounce, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is going to do with you, Egypt. So if we continue our reading, uh, it says, The land of Egypt will become a desolation and a waste. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. Uh, Verse 9, Because you said, The Nile is mine, and I have made it. Therefore, behold, I am against you and against your um, rivers, and I will make the land of Egypt an utter waste. And desolation from Migdal to Syene and even the border of Ethiopia. That's the entire country. That's all of it. Therefore, behold, I am against you and against your rivers, and I will make the land of Egypt an utter wasteland. I already read that. A man's foot will not pass through it, and the foot of a beast will not pass through it, and it will be uninhabited for 40 years. There are... uh, Egyptian records where it talks about its ancient battles and warfare with other nations and so forth. This has been archaeologically confirmed that this happened. That Egypt as a result of the battle with the with the Babylonians went 40 years of sheer desolation. Just like the Lord said, just like Ezekiel said. It's one of the places where the Bible speaks precisely to what the archaeological evidence supports. Um, And the reason why it's being said is because God is passing that powerful a judgment down on Egypt. You would have thought Egypt would have learned their lesson when the children of Israel came out about this God. However, this generation didn't know about that. Because it's also, it's another archaeological fact that the Egyptians did not want to record and they pursued not recording of how there was this group of people with the father Jacob and that they were in the land and that these slaves got up and walked away from them and Egypt suffered and greatly for 40 years afterwards. There's only one archaeological record that simply says that Egypt died for 40 years. And it's talking about the time frame when Jacob and the children of Israel left. Um, now, it's just a simple fact. If you're a nation and you're recording your history, a uh, little play on words, it's, it's your story, you know, his story. Uh, and you're always going to put the good stuff in there, but kind of diminish the bad stuff. You know, the part where you shot yourself in the foot, we'll just gently pass over that and refer to how great a hunter we were when we got other things, shot other things. Uh, And the same is true of Egypt and the human behavior they have. But the fact of the matter is that God did come down with the the Babylonians and did wipe Egypt out. Let me read you just this final part here. Verse 14, and I shall turn the fortunes of Egypt and shall make them return to the land of Pathros, to the land of their origin, and there they will be a lowly kingdom, and it will be the lowest of kingdoms, and it will never again lift itself above the nations, and I shall make them small, that they will not rule over nations. Oh, by the way, the Egyptian army went out to meet the Babylonians, got their tails kicked, and they went home. And they've never been a world power since. And there was a time when Egypt literally ruled a huge chunk of the world. They have no power over any other nation since these days. And it speaks to uh, the judgment of God. And to this day, we can see the evidence, the result of this Prophetic judgment that fell upon Egypt dating all the way back to when they fought the Babylonians And it still is evident today, you know from it Um, And again for us it speaks to the veracity and the truth of the scripture It speaks to that this event that happened with Egypt When the children of Israel came out first In the exodus it truly happened That the redemption that took place there, the salvation of Israel, truly took place. That those are foundational truths in our faith. We believe in the God who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and did the redemption. We also believe in the same God who can judge any nation that he so chooses if they suddenly rise up thinking they're God. And by the way, the statement that says, the river Nile is mine, and I made it, he's saying he's God. He's not God. Pharaoh is not God, by the way. No president of the United States is going to be God. No leader of Iran is going to be a God. No pope is going to be a God. If anybody stands up in this world, any leader of a nation or leader of nations, stands up and puts themselves in the position of saying, I'm God you can be guaranteed that the one true God is going to have something to say about it and is going to key off of that and to inform the world so that they might know who is God. Well, my brethren, the reason why we're going to come down to the end of the ages and the reason why we're going to have a great tribulation and the reason why we're going to have another greater exodus is because there's somebody coming that the world will look to and claim that they're God. And that's going to be the issue. The Atta Messiah is going to rise up and claim he's the savior of the world, and that he's God. And Hasatan is going to promote him and encourage him as much as he can, just so that men don't follow and believe in the one true God. I don't care which God you want to believe in, just don't believe in that one. And God is going to use that for judgment purposes so that everyone will know who the Lord is. If you don't know who the Lord is, you have no chance of salvation. None whatsoever. Nobody's going to be making it in the kingdom and saying, gee, I, I didn't know there was any gods. They will make it in the kingdom because they trusted the one true God. So our portion, essentially this is the message that comes through it, echoes the judgments that began to fall upon Egypt and the whole explanation is to know who is the Lord so let us be mindful as we hear about the judgments fell upon Egypt as these judgments that fell upon Egypt in the days of Ezekiel from, the, from Nebuchadnezzar that there's only one true God and that we need to know that one God. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Vi Isa